Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid and peanut gallery out there. This is Robert Brickman, and we'll start maybe with you on this program, a fellow Boomer. Are you listening to me by yourself? And do you spend most of your time by yourself? Well, the Surgeon General recognizes this is a major problem in our country. After a talk where people will say, hey, I just want you to know I'm really struggling with that too. That's Surgeon General Vivek H. Murthy talking about loneliness. And many of us feel lonely in our retirement because too many boomers retire to the TV set. But Boomer Bev's shop stall is different. Yes, she watches a lot of TV too while she's taking care of her babies. Baby animals, yes, yes. When, uh, when I'm here by myself and in well into the evening, uh, I do have the television on so that there I do have company. And Bev and her husband rehabilitate animals. We'll talk with Bev shortly. Then there is that thing we did in our youth. You probably did it, and you wish you could go back in time to stop it from ever happening in the first place. Think about what it was. Well, in in our case, in Art's case, it was mm, tapping the high school principal's phone and broadcasting the conversation on the high school radio station. And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Trimble had his door open, the outer door to the radio station was open, and all of a sudden, he heard himself talking through a speaker from across the hall. And it was live on student station WRHS. We'll talk with the perpetrator. And do you believe that climate change is real? We'll look at the stats. We'll examine two types of mental illness as well. COVID psychosis and the internet and dementia. Now that last story might surprise you. But what won't surprise you is boomer obesity because it's all around us. The news is next. Boomer News from OK Boomer. From the Associated Press and the University of Chicago, NORC, that stands for National Opinion Research Center. A majority of the public report personal impacts from extreme weather in the last five years. And most think climate change was the reason. Half of adults have become more concerned about climate change in the last year. In discussing climate change, few adults report changing opinions. 71% of the public believes climate change is happening. 12% believe climate change is not happening. And 16% are not sure. These numbers have not changed much in the last seven years of AP NORC polling. Democrats are more likely to believe climate change is happening, that's 91%, compared to independents, 62%, and Republicans, 52%. Of those who believe climate change is happening, 63% think it is the result of human activity. Just 7% believe it is caused by natural changes in the environment, while 30% say it is caused by both equally. And now to a story that we might be able to change ourselves very quickly. From the Nonprofit Population Reference Bureau, or PRB, obesity prevalence among older Americans is increasing at an alarming rate. In a single generation between 1988 and 94, in 2015 and 2018, the share of U.S. adults ages 65 and older with obesity nearly doubled, increasing from 22% to 40%. During the same period, the older men with obesity rose from 20% to nearly 40%, while obesity among older women increased from nearly a quarter to more than 40%. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention defines obesity as having a body mass index of 30 or higher. BMI is an indirect measure of body fat that does not distinguish among excess fat, muscle, or bone mass, notes the CDC. Though BMI is not a diagnostic tool, it does provide a useful starting point to identify potential health risks. The CDC recommends BMI be used to track weight status in populations and as a screening tool to identify potential weight problems in individuals. And now to the disease that most people don't want to hear about anymore but need to hear about. Some people who have been infected with COVID-19 can experience long-term effects known as long COVID or post-COVID conditions. Long COVID can include a wide range of ongoing health problems. These conditions can last weeks, months, or years. Long COVID occurs more often in people who have had severe COVID-19 illness, but anyone who has been infected with the virus that causes COVID-19 can experience it. 
And people who are not vaccinated against COVID-19 and become infected may have a higher risk of developing long COVID compared to people who have been vaccinated. People can be reinfected with SARS-CoV-2. That's the virus that causes COVID-19. They can be reinfected multiple times. Each time a person is infected or reinfected with that, they have a risk of developing long COVID. And while most people with long COVID have evidence of infection or COVID-19 illness, in some cases, a person with long COVID may not have tested positive for the virus or known they were infected in the first place. And CDC and partners are working to understand more about who experiences long COVID and why, including whether groups disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 are at a higher risk. Now, there is no test that determines if your symptoms or condition is due to COVID-19. Long COVID is not one illness. Your healthcare provider considers a diagnosis of long COVID based on your health history, including if you had a diagnosis of COVID-19 either by a positive test or by symptoms or exposure, as well as doing a health examination. Now let's go to some other form of illness, dementia. Long COVID could be responsible for dementia, but there is something that could slow it down. Little is known about the long-term cognitive impact of Internet usage among older adults. So, New York University researchers followed 18,000 adults ages 50 to 64 who did not have dementia at the beginning of the study. These senior citizens were tracked for eight years. Every other year, each participant was asked, do you regularly use the Internet for sending and receiving email or for any other purpose, such as making purchases, searching for information, or making travel reservations? Almost 5% of the study participants had been diagnosed with dementia by the end of the study. But those who reported using the Internet regularly were at half the risk of dementia compared to an irregular user. The conclusion, a regular Internet user for long periods in late adulthood was associated with delayed cognitive impairment. Good news about cognitive impairment. But we have some other news that might impair our cognition. The U.S. Surgeon General is calling attention to the public health crisis of loneliness, isolation, and a lack of connection in our country. Even before the onset of COVID-19 pandemic, approximately half of U.S. adults reported experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. This connection affects our mental, physical, and societal health. In fact, loneliness and isolation increase the risk for individuals to develop mental health challenges in their lives, and lacking connection can increase the risk for premature death to levels comparable to smoking daily. United States Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy says, So many people are struggling with this or they're seeing it in their own lives. They're not quite sure what to do about it. They're often thinking they're the only one. Uh, so many of the conversations I've had with people around the country on this issue have been not conversations where somebody is raising their hand and saying, hey, you know, I'm, uh, I'm John, I'm struggling with loneliness. They've been whispered conversations afterward in the line after a talk where people will say, hey, I just want you to know I'm really struggling with that too. Uh, I remember in D.C. a few years ago being at an event where a woman came up to me and she said, I just want you to know, my, you know, this topic of loneliness really means a lot to me because my husband is desperately struggling uh, with loneliness and we just don't know how to help him. Um, and he can't even find words to express it. And she stepped aside just six inches to the left, and I saw that he was actually standing right behind her. Wow. And he had tears streaming down his face, because that's how deeply it had impacted him, but he didn't feel he could talk about it. And that was United States Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murphy. Uh, the physical health consequences of poor or insufficient connection include a nearly 30% increase risk of heart disease and stroke, and a 50% increased risk of developing dementia for older adults. Additionally, lacking social connection increases risk of premature death by more than 60%. So let's go from some um, sober news to somebody who spent a career in rock radio and oldie radio. As a matter of fact, uh, he still loves the music and he categorizes it and gives some commentary on it. We're going back in the past to Roger Ramjet when he was a jock at WIDB Radio in Carbondale, and uh, now he is a uh, professor retired. Roger and Jet, he's our man, here 
hero of our nation. For his adventure, just be sure and stay tuned to this station. There are eight Bruce Springsteen songs on my playlist, but all but one of them are in light rotation. His other song is on my favorites list, and it was his first to hit the top ten. Hungry Heart was written by Bruce Springsteen, and it got to number five on the Hot 100. His highest charting song before that was Born to Run from 1975, which stalled at number 23. Joey Ramone had asked Springsteen to write a song for his band. Hungry Heart is that song. However, Springsteen's producer and manager said, Now, Bruce, you should keep that song for yourself. Wise advice. His voice was sped up slightly in the recording, which makes the pitch a bit higher. It's a technique other artists have used as well. Backup singers included two members of the Turtles, Mark Volman and Howard Kalin. Here's Bruce Springsteen's Hungry Heart from 1980. Out of the past 1980, Bruce Strings, Spring Strings, Strudy did String Bean. <laughs> that, folks, is why I was not a disc jockey. Let's try that again. Bruce Springsteen, Hungry Heart, courtesy of the Jets. Now let's go back into our past to a time that we regret very much. I'll start out by uh, giving you an example made in the 1980s of a couple of students messing up really bad. And this is documented in War Games. Now it's fiction. It's not real. War Games in 1983. This is uh, a, a film with Matthew Broderick in it. While searching for a video game, he accidentally hacked into a military supercomputer. Then he starts the game Thermonuclear War, and he and the nation are on the edge of a nuclear war with the Warsaw Bloc nations. Now, that never happened. And back in the 70s, we didn't have supercomputers, and kids didn't have um, their hands on computers or anything like that. But we did, at my high school, have a radio station. It was a ton-watt radio station on the educational band. And um, we were kind of like uh, Matthew Broderick and War Games in that we were precocious. We had uh, the master key to the high school. We used it, got in at all times of the day and night. I was the uh, station manager of WRHS. Before that, I was the chief engineer, but I didn't know what I was doing. Anyway, Art Liberty and I went to school together. And he took my place uh, because he was a few years younger than me. And he topped every single possible thing that I could have done at that radio station as far as breaking the rules. Let's go back to the 1970s right now and talk to Art. You want me to say that I was involved in this incident? Well, no, wait a minute. We've got to get things ready to go. We've got to set up the mood. Yes, Art, I want you to admit that you were involved in that incident. I did it. You did it, okay. I did it. Could you tell me what you do for a living now? Uh, well, I'm a federal administrative law judge. You're a judge. Now you can tell what happened in 19, what was it, 71, 72 at WRHS? Just very briefly, they were redoing the telephone switchboard from the old plug-and-play to the... I don't know if you remember the nice big handset that would sit on the desk, rotary dial with about 57 buttons on oh, it. Oh, yeah. That was impressive. Well, that was, I mean, that was new technology. And in doing that, they had to pull out a lot of old-fashioned switching gear and put in the newfangled stuff. And the telephone, supply, uh, the telephone closet was right on the other side of the wall from our studios. And while we were watching them do this, those of us who were... Uh, technologically minded, shall we say, asked the techs about various aspects of the changes and so forth, and they were more than happy to share with us. Not knowing what was going to happen. 
Well, we didn't know what was going to happen. It just, uh, it's like, hey, here's an opportunity. Uh, so we were in there on a Saturday because uh, one of the folks, uh, as happened in every class, had a, uh, obtained a master key to the school. And so we were we were rummaging around and, and looking over there, and we could see that all these extensions were neatly labeled on uh, these terminals. And we realized that... Uh, the superintendent of schools terminal was there, the principal's terminal was there, the vice principal's terminal was there, and sitting at our feet was a spool of 25-pair telephone conductor cable. Mm -hmm. So we're talking amongst ourselves, and the thought was, hey, wouldn't it be cool to be able to listen in on this stuff? So we picked, I don't know, probably seven or eight extensions, uh, ran the cable through a, a discrete hole in the wall into the control room of the studio and hooked it up to the uh, to the board. And um, <clears throat> periodically we would we would listen to conversations and uh, and have a a laugh over some of the things we heard. You bugged these teachers' phones. I don't know. I wouldn't say bug. No. We, inter we intercepted. Oh, you intercepted. Yes, Let's see if I understand. Different. You took a screwdriver and screwed in, attached a cable uh, that from the telephone terminal to the radio station, and you listened to it on the speaker. That's That's pretty accurate, yeah. Yeah, you intercepted it. Yes, we intercepted the communication. Okay, that's a, I, I would suppose that's a legal way of putting it. Well, that's what I do, so... Our judge, Judge Art Liberty, is speaking, folks, on WRFN. Okay, uh, let's get back to the interception. Okay, so as uh, as I believe you've shared with your listeners uh, previously, we uh, we were we were a, a 10-watt non-commercial educational FM radio station operating on a federally assigned frequency of 88.1 FM megahertz. And we were on four days a week because we were the big school, the old school, Rich East High School. Uh, our sister school, Rich Central, which was much newer and much smaller, um, had a remote studio at their high school. And then on Fridays, as long as we weren't playing a home game, they had control of the transmitter. So their feed would come in over telephone lines, go through the same board that we were talking about because we only had one board, and then go out over the air. And I'm sure that your folks can figure out where this is going. So one, yeah, I think one, so. One Friday, uh, uh, and of course, uh, FCC regulations require that transmitter uh, meters be read and recorded every 30 minutes. Well, we're not going to sit there and do that for you know these guys from the other school. They send their own engineer over to monitor the transmitter and take the required meter readings. Kid walks in. I hadn't ever seen him before, so I'm explaining how things work. And it's basically, this is all set for you. Don't touch anything. Here's, here's the, the transmitter log. Just take your, you know, your readings, and we'll be back at 9 o'clock to shut things down. Um, well, during the process of exploring, I guess. Exploring? I think he was exploring, uh, you know, I mean, it was new to him. So he was checking out our setup, and he hit the wrong button. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the same time that he hit the wrong button, Principal uh, Don Trimble was uh, literally across the hall from us uh, in his office making a telephone call. And we had what's called an on-air monitor speaker, which, of course, you're familiar with. Yes. And it basically just uh, broadcast uh, in the outer, not office, it was kind of like a lounge area, a reception area of the radio station, what was going over the air from the control room. So it was basically a radio attached to a speaker. Exactly. And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Trimble had his door open, the outer door to the radio station was open, and all of a sudden he heard himself talking through a speaker from across the hall. And that was the beginning of the end. That's right. Little alarms went off in people's heads. Exactly. So when we came back... Was, is this painful to talk about? <laughs> or are you laughing? 
I because I when I think about the stuff I did as a kid and where I've gotten you know to now, it's just it just it's hard to believe it was the same idiot. Well, say, same with me because I was before you. The reason why you had the keys was because of me. The master keys, painted blue. That was me. Anyway, Mister Painted Blue. Of- yeah, if we if we found a piece of equipment we liked in another classroom, we'd uh, grab the equipment, paint it blue, and then send Bratman over to talk to the teacher because the teacher knew where it came from, and he'd come back with yet another piece of equipment that the teacher donated. We had it all set up. Anyway, this you went further, f- much further than I did. Well, I've always been I've always been one to push the envelope. Well, you pushed the envelope, you broke the envelope, and you went right through another one. So, Mr. Trimble uh, was annoyed, and what did he do? <laughs> well, he shut the station down. He had the uh, head custodian come in and change out the locks. Um, and when we came in Monday morning, the three of us um, that were the executive staff, the station manager, the chief engineer, and the program director. There was a little note on the door that said, you, you, and you, report to my office. And we got to sit in his office while technicians from Illinois Bell Telephone came and inspected our handiwork and uh, came in and informed him uh, what, had, what had taken place, what they had discovered. And uh, we were no longer executive staff on the radio station. <laughs> you were no longer on the radio station, and you were, what, suspended from school for a week or so? Something like that. I think it was only a couple of days, but still it was, uh, I know my parents were not happy. Campus. No, they weren't, considering your father was a former Marine. I'm not, I can imagine what happened to you. But anyway, what did Trim, Mr. Trimble say when uh, one of the Illinois Bell people came in and, and made remarks about your handiwork on their equipment? Oh, that was that was kind of funny because we're just sitting there with the sword of Damocles hanging over our heads being very very morose and unhappy and uh, the lead tech came in and he looked at the three of us sitting on the the little couch that Trimble had in his office and he said you're the kids that did this and we looked down and kind of nodded and he said you guys did a hell of a job or something like that and Trimble just get out of here don't encourage these this is terrible it was just it was pretty funny the worst that I did, and I mean the worst, uh, when I let me ask you about statute of limitations. <laughs> Since you're a judge, yeah, I think I think we're pretty good with what, uh, just about everything but murder. So, what, what about theft of federal property? Theft of federal property. That's yeah. uh, I think that's a ten year statute. So okay, I, good. I'd say you're good. Good. Well, when I was in the, uh, we had to go to Chicago to the uh, federal building to get our uh, FCC licenses. We had to take a test. And one of the several times I took the test, the last time when I passed it, I took a souvenir with me. I don't know if you remember, but when you went in to take that uh, test, did you see a um, a piece of cardboard with magic markers saying FCC examining room? Yes. Okay. Well, the sign, I put in the WRHS transmitter along with a finger that Neil Rosinski had. And Mr. Trimble came in one day and saw it, and he said, all right, and I want this nonsense to stop, Bob. What I want you to do is to take that finger out of there and that sign. Now, can you imagine the arrogance of a 17-year-old kid to put FCC examining room, a sign in, in a transmitter that the FCC might examine with yeah, a finger? That's, that's, uh, that's pretty arrogant, I have to agree. Yeah, <laughs> but you beat me on all counts. You're, you're more of a type A than I am. I, when, when I when I got that message that you because I didn't know that you had done that, and when I got that message in Facebook that you did it, every time I read it, I started laughing. Every time I thought about it, I started laughing. That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Well, it was uh, it was certainly uh, enterprising. I'll say that enterprising is the word. Okay, we're going to take a break now, and the reason we're going to take a break is that everyone's laughing so hard, I'm sure, that they're going to want to uh, break uh, for a little moment of sobriety. Art, we'll be back in a moment. Back to action now with Drew Liberty. Whoops, I mean Art Liberty. Did I make a mistake, Art? I haven't been Drew Liberty since I was 17 and joined the Navy, but... uh... It's fair. That's what you knew me as. So, Well, Drew Liberty uh, is one of the best 
one of the best air names I've ever heard, Drew Liberty, CBS News. This is Drew Liberty on the scene. Why didn't you keep it? I wanted to walk away from everything I had been as a teenager and go out and be a man in the military. Well, you saw how that worked. Yeah. Um, you know, the funny thing is there's a part of me that's still there at Ritchie High School at WRHS, you know, dropping film cans and calling it uh, the musical time tone, but there's not much left. What about you? Yeah, I uh, I like pulling out the old photo album once in a while and, and looking at those pics. I've still got a, uh, a decal, WRHS decal that we had printed up to stick on things. And uh, it was a good it was a good experience, um, especially you know becoming program director and being responsible for setting the schedule and and assigning personnel to various uh, jobs and being responsible for training on air folks. It it that part of it was uh, was pretty maturing, on the one hand, <laughs> and on the other hand, and on the other end, not so much. Paint it blue, uh, but isn't much of life like that right i guess so well there's a part of me that still hasn't grown up but uh my psychiatrist and parole officer tell me that uh i'm making considerable progress well you know there is there is uh there is legal ramifications uh that say that if you haven't grown up by the time you're 50 you don't have to oh well that gives me an excuse wait a minute did you do you hear what are you sure those statute of limitations have passed I believe so, because otherwise it would be the U.S. Marshals coming for you rather than the city police. So this is something else you've done. Well, are you sure about that? Because there's nothing that I'm aware of that I've done. And All right, I think we better sign off before they sign us off. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Robert. Yeah, pleasure on my side, too. Art, Art Liberty was on the air with me back about 40 years ago on WRHS. Okay, that was recorded about eight years ago. And still, even though I'm no longer on WRHS, that was more than half a century ago, um, I'm still quite disruptive. Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid, let's get up. It hurts, and I don't even have arthritis, and take a walk. I thought I'd uh, go through this door, and I, I know you have had experience with me going through doors with surprises, but I know what's on the other side of this door. They open it up here, and that's right. We're at the WDBX training ground, training new announcers and disc jockeys. That's how you do your voice for radio. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention. Uh, you have to join the Marine Corps. No, just joking. Uh, so that is our uh, WDBX mm, training ground or parade ground. You can see it if you come here. It's to the side of the radio station. Uh, we're finally in the coffee room. The coffee is ready. Let's try it out. Mm. You know, what's interesting is that somebody told me that this coffee was three years old sitting in the uh, coffee machine room. I don't think so. I think it's no more than a year and a half old. Cup of tea with Carrie. And a cup of joe with Robert. A new survey on the sleep habits of Americans find that a small percentage of us like to sleep in the nude. 8% of respondents to a national sleep survey commissioned by the home furnishings retailer Anna's Linens admit hitting the sack without PJs. And 74% of respondents wear pajamas to bed. The same percentage of Americans sleep on their sides, 16% sleep on their stomachs, and 10% on their backs. Additional findings, 47% share a bed with someone who snores. Just 10% of respondents said they were able to recall nearly all their dreams in the morning. 65% say they get a restful night's sleep, only three nights or less per week. I think you're one of them. Uh, 10% say they get a restful night's sleep every night, while 25% say they sleep restfully five to six nights per week.
The survey finds that Friday night provides the most restful sleep. Hmm. Followed closely by Saturday, the night that provides the least restful night is Sunday, followed by Monday. The nationwide survey involved more than 37 million individuals. Wait a minute. Too many zeros. 3,700 individuals. On November 18th, a female wearing a bandana over her mouth, sunglasses, and sweats walked into the in-place hotel in Naples and threatened an employee by indicating she had a gun in her pocket. After telling the employee to empty the register and lay down on the floor, the robber took the money and fled into a waiting getaway car. Cops, however, say just as the victim was calling 911, another call came in and the apparently inadvertent ring revealed two women discussing the robbery. Cops were able to arrest Nicalia Wright for the crime and later her sister, Ashley Alwine, for allegedly driving the getaway car. Have that with your cup of joe. And your cup of tea. I'm Robert Rickman. And I'm Carrie Boylan. Hey, everybody. It's the White Raven from the Hot, Hot, Hot Louisiana Gumbo Pot right here on WDBX, Sundays, 12 to 2. Join me and all the Gumbo Pot heads where I'll be bringing you all the best music from Louisiana, New Orleans, the Bayou with a little bit of Delta Blues thrown in for good measure. So all you swamp rats, grab your Zydeco shoes, meet me in the Gumbo Pot at high noon. We always pass a good time, Chef. Peace, love, and Zydeco. Aye! Are you an aspiring author looking to get your book published? Look no further than Tech Time Publishing Company. At Tech Time, we specialize in bringing the best books to readers everywhere. Our team of experienced editors and designers work closely with authors to bring their stories to life, ensuring every book is of the highest quality. But that's not all. Tech Time also offers a unique service to translate and narrate books and revenue sharing. This means that our talented team of translators and narrators will be compensated with a share of the book sales. So whether you're an author, translator, or narrator, Tech Time is the place to be. Join our community of book lovers and let us help you bring your stories to the world. Visit our website today to learn more. That's techtime.it. Techtime.it. And if you're looking for a first-class Italian translator, check out Laura Squigna. It's spelled S-G-U-I-G-N-A. Laura Squigna, and you can find her on the Tech Time website under Translators. The world's largest, smallest, biggest, fastest, tallest. I'm Marcia Smith. I'm Bob Smith. Join us every week for a half hour of fun, fascinating trivia. Questions about history, music, business, art, sports. It's a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, and take our side road to sanity. 30 minutes of fun-filled facts every week on The The Off-Ramp. Find us wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at theofframp.show. And we'll be visiting Bob and Marsha in a few minutes. Now, I know some boomers who downsize to a condominium or retire to Florida and watch what we used to call the boob tube and eat potato chips and spend as little time doing anything useful. But then there is Beverly Schofstall, who lives in a rural area with her husband. Beverly takes care of babies. Babies, but not the human kind. What we are doing is classified as wildlife rehabilitation. And by definition, that is that we have permits from the state and federal government that we can legally take in orphan, injured, or sick wild animals and take care of them until they can be released back into the wild. The goal is to get them back. It's not to keep them as pets. Or, you know, we do have several birds of prey that are non-releasable that we use for education, but they are not pets by any means. What animals do you have right now? Oh my goodness. Uh, Well, we have in the mammal area, we have baby bunnies, we have raccoons, possums, squirrels, uh, fox. Um, We get baby deer. Uh, The deer come in, start coming in at the end of May. Uh, and you never know what else might just pop in in a season. You could get groundhogs, you could get, uh, we've had mink, we've had otters, so you never know from year to year what you're going to get on the oddball. But the the five main ones that I've already mentioned, uh, we get every year. We will get anywhere from three to four hundred baby animals a year. 
And you have some buzzards too, right? Well, technically they're vultures. Buzzard is a term that the Europeans brought over. The term buzzard actually referred to uh, hawks in Europe. And the Europeans brought that term over and anything that was flying, they called buzzards. Uh, so Even a parakeet? Well, we didn't have obviously too many parakeets here in, in, uh, in America, but the larger birds, they referred to them as buzzards. And that just became a term that got associated with the vultures here uh, and not the hawks. And so it's kind of interchangeable in, but technically uh, we do not have buzzards. Okay, thank you. I stand corrected. Well, not many people, not many people know that. <laughs> I should have done my homework. Now, you look like you might be a baby boomer. Well, I guess I would be classified in that time span, yes. <laughs> now, a lot of baby boomers uh, sit, retire, and watch television. You're not doing that, are you? Well, I watch a lot of TV when I'm feeding babies, but it's on the wall, and I'm not just sitting around doing it. <laughs> now, babies are baby animals. Baby animals, yes, yes. When, um, when I'm here by myself in well into the evening, uh, I do have the television on so that there, I do have company, some company, human company, in addition to it. But I will be up feeding well into the evening, well into the night, and so I have a TV on, but I'm not just sitting around watching soaps in the afternoon and eating my you know, eating coconut bonbons, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, and we'll be talking more with Beverly uh, next program. Now, Free Again Wildlife Rehabilitation is located in the county near the town of Heron in southern Illinois. It is the largest and only species facility in this region where the Mississippi and Ohio rivers join together. Volunteers provide nursing and hospital care to distressed wildlife. Now we go to brain teasers, a whole bunch of them. Now, I was very confused when I heard it, uh, so I'm going to give you the, all the answers to B Bob and Marcia Smith's off-ramp. Okay, so get your pen and pencil and write this down. First one is Los Angeles, second Al Capone, third a thimble, fourth Harry Truman, and fifth a bowling ball. Where is the only state capitol dome made of wood? Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> and what's the origin of the Mafia Kiss of Death? Ooh, <laughs> answers to those and other questions coming up in this half hour of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to The Off-Ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, and take a side road to sanity with some fun trivia. Well, Marcia, did you realize that there is a U.S. state capital whose dome is made of wood? No, I didn't. Is it... Uh, Let me give you a clue. It's one of the oldest state capital domes in existence, I'm believe it or not. trying to think of the early capital. Well, I can give you names of states. Choices? With, give yes. me choices. Okay. Kentucky, Maryland, Illinois, or Oklahoma? No. Oklahoma, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's musical. Yes. Well, the answer is no. Oh, <laughs> all right. All right, so it leaves Maryland, Illinois, or Kentucky? Illinois. No. No. Kentucky. No. I'll guess off the top of my head, Maryland. You're right, Marcia. <laughs> it's amazing how you figured that Isn't out. Isn't it deductive reasoning? Domes are generally synonymous with our state capitol buildings. Not everyone has one. Maryland's is the only one that's made of wood. Now, they've got state domes made of zinc, made of concrete, made of brick and concrete, and terracotta domes are found atop the buildings in Kentucky and Pennsylvania, but Maryland's dome was built way back in 1788, when the country only had 13 states, and it's still there. It was constructed of timber and built like a ship with no metal nails used in its construction. And to this day, it's held together by wooden pegs reinforced by iron straps forged by an Annapolis iron monger. Monger. Yeah. So there okay. you go. It's, it's right. in Maryland. Now, the I... newest statehouse dome belongs to one of the states you mentioned. <laughs> oh. Oklahoma. <laughs> yes. Their dome was added in okay. 2002. Okay, sorry. Let me get to mine now. You know what the mafia kiss of death is. In all the Godfather movies, you know, Marlon Brando saunters up to you and gives you a big... Uh, smooch on the cheek. Yeah, big smooch on both sides, I think. Forcefully. Yes. And then you're very, gone. You're, you know, and then they have this big look in their eyes, the recipient. Oh, my God, then I'm dead. Then two people drag him away, and it's yes, over. and that's it. So... 
Where did that charming custom come from? Oh, how charming. Mm -hmm. Where did the kiss of death come from? It comes from the Bible. No kidding. Yeah. It's the New Testament, and it's related to the kiss Judas gave to Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, no kidding. While he was betraying him to the oh, authorities. Oh, dear. Didn't he point out which guy was Jesus by kissing him? Yes, uh -huh. yes. Oh, my and goodness. so that's where, uh, you so know. that's where the inspiration the for the mafia to do that, right? <laughs> See, they're very religious. I'm going to betray you with a kiss just like our Lord and Savior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Help me. Oh, God. Okay, Marcia. Uh, we know we have skyscrapers all do over we, the world. Do we know that, Bob? Well, most of us know that we have skyscrapers <laughs> okay. all over the world. Maybe you don't. But in what city is the tallest building designed by a woman? Okay. In what city? Are we talking America? Well, I'm going to give you clues. Oh, thank you. London, England. Uh-huh. Chicago, Illinois. Uh-huh. Toronto, Canada. Mm? Or Stockholm, Sweden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll say, I'll say Stockholm. Aha, uh -huh. and why would you say that? I don't know. They seem enlightened a bit. Okay. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> okay, so where is <laughs> it if it's not? <laughs> it's not in Stockholm. Okay, tell me. It's either in London, Chicago, or Toronto. Chicago. It is in Chicago. Okay, According good. to TravelTrivia.com, Chicago, of course, is where the skyscraper was born. That started with the Home Insurance Building back in 1885, and it's where the Sears Roebuck Company built the Sears Tower, later the Willis Tower, which was the tallest building in the world from 73 to 1998. Well, today, it's also where you'll find the 1,191-foot-tall <laughs> Vista Tower, also known as the Residences at the St. Regis in Chicago. That's the world's tallest building designed by a female architect. Her name is Jeannie or Jean Gang. Uh -huh. She's responsible for it. And interestingly, there's another building it's right next to, and she designed it too. So she designed both the world's tallest and second tallest buildings designed by a woman. You know what I wish for, Bob? What's that? The day when we don't have to point out the first African-American, the first woman. I mean, when it's just is, you know? I okay. mean, we still do that. We can though. make that day now, and then nobody will pay attention to anything. <laughs> but no, I, I think it's good to celebrate. Well, how long, how many years? I mean, shouldn't it all be common enough now? Okay, I'll move on. Bob, how long? And this, you probably pondered this question this morning. How long does it take a drop of water to travel through Lake Superior to the ocean. Wow, from Lake Superior to the ocean. So is it going through the... Uh, it's going through Lake Superior. And all the Great Lakes and then all well, the St. Lawrence Seaway and goes out east. That's, right. that's the way I was thinking. Okay. So I would say that takes a, a month and a half. Is it? 204 years, Bob. <laughs> Just like I thought. 204 years. Well, that, How wrong can you be? Wait a minute. That drop of water would be evaporated and recreated no, many, many it, times. It's in the water. Lake Superior takes 204 years because why? It is a darn big lake, isn't it, Bob? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Lake Michigan, it takes 62 years. Oh, jeez. Lake Huron, 21 years. And Lake Erie, three years. Yeah. Let's see the evidence for this Just, one. It's crazy that it's that long. Hmm. Ponder that. Okay. All right. I'm pondering it. When will we ever come to a day when we don't, well, we don't have to say which lake. <laughs> Are you? Which lake is the one that takes the longest for Are the water to? Are you trying to vex me? Uh, yeah. Kinda. <laughs> okay, Marcia, music question. Carol King, yeah. great music composer of pop songs. We've mentioned her numerous times over the years. She's uh -huh. a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What did she have to do with the British invasion? Remember all those bands that came over back in the I bet she wrote 60s? some of those songs. I bet she wrote some of those Hermit Hermits or something. Well, songs. she did write a song for Herman's Hermits. That's the answer. See, what song was thing. it? I know things. What song was it? I know, the only song I know, I didn't care for them, but I'm telling you now. Uh-huh, that's not it. That uh, was Freddie and the Dreamers. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know what Herman sang. She wrote, I'm into something good. Something tells <laughs> me I'm into something good. Bob, since okay. we're singing, reminds me of Gordon Lightfoot, who yeah. recently passed away. Yes, yes. And what was his famous song? The Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh, yes. A well-done song. It was very well done. Yes, Anyway, my question is, how high were the waves that sunk the Fitzgerald? I believe they were 20 feet. Yeah, well, you're close, Bob. It's 23 feet. Wow. And the highest ever recorded in Lake Superior was 29 feet back in 2017. That's the, you know, the wave coming across your boat. So what chances is there of surviving that if that hits you? In many cases, that's just going to push the boat over. It's going to flip it right over or snap it in half as it did 
the Edmund Fitzgerald. 29 feet. That's just amazing. Yeah. That's scary as hell. I can't imagine seeing something like that. No, that would, uh, you Put know. Put the fear of God in you. That was recorded just north of Marquette, right outside my window where I lived for a couple <laughs> of years. But yeah, 29 feet. That lake, Bob, is home to 350 sunken ships. It's amazing. Yeah. Going it's, back to two or 300 years ago. It's over 1,300 feet deep in places. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Yeah. My favorite line in that song I heard recently, um, they were playing some of his songs and analyzing that one, and they just played the passage where the cook comes up and says, fellas, it's too rough to feed you. Um, And then a little later he comes back and says, fellas, it's been good to know you. Oh, geez. Yeah. That was in his song. Isn't that a great line, though? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What the cook must have been doing. It was was time for dinner time, and he couldn't serve them. What a great metaphor for we're about to all check out. He was really more of a folk songwriter, I thought, in many ways. Yes. Okay. Do you know I used to barbecue on Lake Superior? Really? In 20-foot waves? (laughs) Frozen waves, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was a bizarre thing living in that area, I'll tell you that. Okay, another history question. This comes from the same period I talked about a moment ago, okay? Okay. In 1966, there was a duo known as Peter and Gordon. Yeah. You've heard of Peter and Gordon. I remember. And uh, Peter Asher, who later became a famous record producer for who? What female singer did he produce? Petula Clark? No. Um, all, uh, all Leslie of, Gore? All of Linda Ronstadt's big oh, records. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, she's very cool. But Peter and Gordon, they had a hit record with the song Woman. Woman, do you love me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Bernard Webb was credited as the composer of that tune, but... Bernard Webb was really another very famous songwriter. Who was he? Bernard Webb, songwriter. Uh, Is that Leonard Bernstein? No. Then I don't know. Paul McCartney. Really? He wrote the song and he used Bernard Webb as a nom de plume. And Peter Asher, he gave it to Peter and Gordon because Peter was his brother-in-law at the time when oh, okay. he's married to, or he's dating jane asher i think uh-huh. he's going to get married to her so he was a he was her her brother so okay yeah. all right bob is the moon getting closer or farther away from earth as the centuries roll by wow i never thought of this yeah, i hope it's, it's not getting just, too close just since you were born do you think it's oh, gotten no. closer or farther away closer? well why would it be getting closer is it the earth's gravity is pulling it closer to uh, us you, i'm asking you bob it's coming closer because the earth's gravity is pulling it closer to us nope it's farther away oh geez in 4.15 billion bc the moon was only fourteen thousand miles away and today, it's 250,000 miles away. What so, was that first date? It says 4.5 billion BCE. Jeez, how, how does anybody measure something that far back? I don't know, Bob. <laughs> One major difference. Is there a born-on date or something? <laughs> today, it's 250,000 miles away. It didn't explain why it's going farther away. It's just it's pulling out into the galaxies farther every year. And Hmm. it was originally part of the Earth, but it broke off. Did you know that? Well, I know there's that theory. Yes, I've heard of that before. Yeah, and it's just little by little keeps getting farther away. And the slow journey from Earth continues. And the sun will go supernova before this ever stops with the moon. Hopefully that'll be a little after we're gone. It should be. (laughs) It should be. Okay, Marcia, you know that famous date of July 4th, 1826. That's when two U.S., former U.S. presidents died. Yep, Jefferson and Adams. Yes, on the day Thomas Jefferson and John Adams died, one of America's greatest musical composers was born. Who was he? What was the year again? 1826, one of uh, of uh, America's greatest music. Tin Pan Alley guy? Well, sort of. 19th century composer, famous, wrote a lot of songs. Tin Pan Alley? Wrote songs about the South. Yeah. Ray down on the? Swanee River. Yes. Yes. That would be? That would be? Oh, dear God. Everybody knows. Yes, everybody knows, but <laughs> Marsha. Okay, Stephen Foster. Okay. Yeah, he was born on July 4th, 1826, the same day that Adams and Jefferson died. He wrote oh. many songs about the South, but guess what? He only actually visited the South once. Oh, really? It was in 1852 when he visited New Orleans, and that was after he wrote Swanee River. <laughs> okay, Bob, what's the picture on the back of the Buffalo Nickel? It's an Indian or a Native American. Excellent. Yeah. Yes, you win. Dang, dang. That's it? 
All right. Recently, we had the 5th of May, which is known as... Cinco de Mayo. It's an Independence Day of sorts in Mexico. Independence from whom? Independence from whom? Yeah. Spain? Spain. That makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. Guess what? What? No, it was Independence from France. Oh, really? See, Cinco de Mayo isn't really the Independence Day in Mexico. That was That's in September. Mexico had already declared its independence from Spain in 1821. Forty years later, in 1861, Mexico did something that caused all the big powers to send troops into it. It said, we're not going to pay any more of our debts. So all the big powers came in, England, Spain, France. England and Spain pulled out, but France remained for about six years. And there was a big battle at Puebla in 1862 where 4,000 Mexican soldiers defeated 8,000 French. That was a big morale booster for the Spanish. And that's on Cinco de Mayo. That's what Cinco de Mayo is. They're celebrating the victory of Cinco de Mayo. Okay. And how popular is it? Some authorities say it stimulates more beer sales than the Super Bowl. No kidding. It is a big holiday. Wow, that's hard to fathom. Yes, it is. is. That'd be hard to drink in, wouldn't it? (laughs) I think it's time for a break. Okay. You're listening to The Off Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. We'll be back in a moment. Okay, boomer. Okay, kid, you got it right. This is OK Boomer, and I'm Robert Rickman. We feature News of the Week. OK, Boomer. How history doesn't repeat itself, but rhymes. OK, Boomer. Colorful Boomer features, brain exercises, and... and, and OK, Boomer. Uh, yeah, brain fog. You'll find OK Boomer wherever you download your podcasts. OK, OK Boomer. We're back. This is The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith. We do this every week for the Cedarburg Public Library. All right, Marsh, what you got? How long is the longest snake ever to be discovered? The longest snake ever to be discovered? Uh-huh. Woo, is it a python or something like that? It is. It's a reticulated python. Let me say it's uh, 25 feet long. Ooh, that's long. This is 32 feet and nine and a half oh inches Oh, my long. God. <laughs> it's just scary enough. That's creepy as can be, 32 isn't it? feet. Think about how long that is. That's like twice the length of this room. Jeez, there. that's amazing. And uh, you find these lovely native creatures in South and Southeast Asia. Yeah. Okay, Bob, I think that's enough trivia for today. Back to you and OK Boomer. And folks, <laughs> you know, all those answers I gave you uh, before... Uh, the off-ramp, <laughs> they were all wrong. Okay, Boomer. Oh, come on, I was just joking around. Okay, Boomer. All right, now come on. Got... Okay, Boomer. <laughs> okay, somebody's got a sense of humor here. And that wraps up Okay, Boomer. I'm Robert Rickman. I'd like to thank Bev Schofstall, Art Liberty, Bob and Marcia Smith, and Roger Ramjet, along with Janice Paul. Join us next time, and remember... We all have choices.